Good morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Grace. I've been around Oxford for a while. Um, initially came as a student, went to both universities here, and now I work as a project manager on some global health projects. Um, part of the church here, part of the leadership team, help lead this group of very jolly people, um, Central East Community Group. And uh, yeah, if you're not in a community group yet, um, do do check them out, get involved. Um, obviously, if you want to join our group, you need to practice your jazz hands. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's a great way just to get involved in the life of the church. Um, our community group also prays for and supports Welcome Boxes, which is an initiative led by ACC to um, befriend and to welcome refugees and asylum seekers new to Oxford. And um, I can't see Melissa, I don't know if you're here this morning, but she's our amazing, okay, she's our amazing coordinator. And um, if you'd like to find out more, do go and chat to her. So this morning, it's a privilege to be up next speaking in our series on Ephesians. Um, And you can catch up on the past talks online. They're great. I really recommend it. And so we're up to sort of halfway through chapter four. And last week, I found it really helpful the way that Doug gave us a bit of an overview as he went into the first part of chapter four. And he talked about revelation and reality. Chapters 1 to 3 in Ephesians set out some big truths and revelations about all of our spiritual blessings in Christ, how Jesus has rescued us and saved us by grace through faith, Um, and it talks about our oneness in Christ altogether. Some of these are quite big concepts, and it can be a bit hard for us to absorb and to all the revelation and connect it with the reality of our lives. So what's really helpful is that in chapters 4 to 6, Um, these amazing truths all connect together um, in some really practical ways and show us how it can be lived out in reality. God calls us on an amazing lifelong adventure of personal and spiritual growth and maturity and there's always room for more growth and transformation. God's doing an amazing work of beauty in each of us um, and bringing out his treasures And as the worship team were preparing this morning, that was something that God was speaking to them about, actually. God puts his treasure in us. We know how weak um, we are, but actually his treasure still shines in us. And we get to partner with him in this, in seeing the best in each other, bringing out the best in each other, and declaring God's goodness over each other's lives as well. Today we're looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, through to chapter 5, verse 20. Um, So you're welcome to turn with me to it now. It's quite a long passage, so I'm not going to read it out all in full. um, But what I'll do is I'll just outline the sort of the structure and the different sections for us. Um, The worship this morning was just spot on because it re-emphasized Um, so many of the themes in the first half of chapter four, which is where I'm starting from, um, in that it's all about being united and connected to Christ and growing in his love. Um, The first part of chapter four talks about speaking the truth and love, showing Jesus's love in our relationships, bearing with one another in love. And that's the, the sort of setting the stage of what we're saying this morning. Then from verse 17, um, it talks about living a new life in Christ, which means putting off our old selves and putting on a new self. So we'll talk a bit more about what that actually looks like as we go. 
From verse 25, he encourages us to live a new lifestyle and gives practical examples of how we can build up the church. That's Christ's body. And then the last section from chapter 5 onwards, it calls us to walk in love, show actions that show love, and to be set apart um, as children of the light and filled with the Holy Spirit. So as the passage is quite long, um, I won't cover everything today, but I'd like to just focus on the main, a key message that comes through, which is about living in the light, and then three different aspects of this. So first, putting off the old ways of living and putting on the new ways. Second, imitating the God of love, which we sang a lot about this morning, which is great. And third, being filled with the Holy Spirit. So living in the light. Um, Personally, I really love noticing how natural light changes. I love watching sunrises and sunsets. This is a picture I took um, earlier this year. And I like playing with lighting in my house as well, just messing about with different lamps, candles, so many candles. Um, but, and the more candles, the better, really. But I think it's, there's something about light which is powerful. And in this passage, it's a really powerful image for us. Chapter 5, verses 7 to 8 say, At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Here the language of light and dark is a reminder to us to live out our new identity in Jesus. and To walk as children of the light. It's a call to action. It's a call to fruitfulness. It says the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Another way to see the call to living in the light is the idea of integrity in the sense of being true to some core principles and morals, but also in the sense of being whole and undivided, like having something physical, having structural integrity. Are we consistent people so that what we are in our experience, what we believe, our our theology and how we behave all line up? Are we consistent in who we are, what we believe and how we behave? There's a call to to be people of integrity in that way. Um, So we're going to look a bit closer at what the passage says about integrity. Um, But first, um, I wonder if you recognise this lady. Give me a wave if you do. Um, You might have read her book or seen her on telly. Um, Her name's Marie Kondo. um, And the reason she's become quite talked about is um, she's the queen of decluttering, basically. Um, I don't know if you, as someone who has too much stuff in your house, and are thinking, how on earth am I going to get rid of some of this um, stuff? But she basically promises to be your antidote. Um, And if you follow her method, you basically go through your possessions one by one and ask some questions like, is it useful? And does it spark joy? So I want you to imagine picking up some socks and thinking, do these socks spark joy? Um, and I think you could probably get quite far in decluttering if you ask those sorts of questions. Um, maybe not all of it, but um, part of the way. So she offers quite a minimalist approach to decluttering your house. I'm not sure how much would be left by the time you finished. Um, but she's all about being out with the old. Not sure about being in with the new, but definitely getting out 
stuff from your house. What does it look like spiritually, though, to be out with the old and in with the new? Chapter 4, verse 22 says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Putting off the old and putting on the new, it is a bit like changing one set of clothes for another set of new clothes. It means living out our new identity in Christ. It means putting off the old person that you no longer are and instead putting on the new person that you already are. And I'll say that again. It means putting off the old person that you no longer are and instead putting on the new person that you already are because of what Jesus has done for you and in you. It's living out the significance of what has already radically taken place spiritually. Putting off the old ways and putting on the new uh, applies to two, two areas in this passage. It applies to our thinking and to our relationships. Verses 17 through to 23 talk about how we need to renew our minds. It says to put off or leave behind futile thinking, empty ideas, literally pointless ways of thinking, and instead be renewed with transformed head and heart knowledge. How do we do this? Well, it's primarily from reading and thinking about God's word, letting it really soak in and do us good and change us from the inside out. And the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. But we can also renew our minds by hanging around godly and wise people and and learning from them. How we think matters, and it matters to God. Our actions are based on what we actually believe, deep down, not just what we say we believe, and whether we recognise that or not. What we, how we really think deep down matters, and we need that renewal all the way through. Who or what shapes your thinking and beliefs? Where do you get your ideas from? Do you hold any beliefs about yourself or your future that are inconsistent with what God says? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Putting off the old and putting on the new uh, plays out in our relationships as well and how we treat each other. And there are six key actions uh, that Paul outlines and he contrasts quite a few things. The first action is in chapter 4, verse 25, and I'll I'll paraphrase paraphrase these as we go. It says, don't lie, but instead speak the truth. It's about being honest and reliable, not gossiping or exaggerating just to look better. Can people take you at your word? And we need truth in order for trust, and we need trust for relationships. Second, verse 26 to 27 It's about dealing with your anger in the right way and not allowing it to be divisive. Not all anger is sin. The Bible does talk about righteous anger. But these verses emphasize in your anger, don't sin. For example, is your anger free from any injured pride, spite, malice or revenge? 
it goes on to say, don't let the sun go down in your anger, which doesn't mean stew on it all day and then you'll be able to forget about it in the evening. Um, It's saying, don't nurse your anger. Don't stew in resentment. And this is really hard because it's quite easy to nurse your anger. You can keep just sort of turning it over in your mind how you've been wronged. Um, But the danger is that those hot embers of anger can quite easily just be fanned into some explosive flames again. We want to be like God in this aspect. We were singing that he's slow to anger, and that's one of his amazing qualities. Um, We want to be slow to anger instead of short-tempered. Let's try and keep short accounts with each other and resolve differences sooner rather than later. No one likes apologising. I don't like it. The words stick in my throat each time. Um, but I'm being, I've learned to be quicker at saying things like, I'm sorry for being short with you. I'm sorry for snapping at you. Um, I was rude. I was impatient. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And it's quite powerful what then happens. And it doesn't mean everything is resolved straight away. But learning to take the initiative like this in our relationships is part of letting go of that anger, as the verse says. Not letting it build up walls, invisible but horrible walls in our relationships. And it's taking responsibility for our actions, learning to forgive and accept my need of forgiveness. I could say more here about dealing with anger, um, but it's not the main focus of our passage But I did feel that God just wanted to highlight this um, for some people here today. um, That if if anger is a difficult thing for you at the moment, something you struggle with and deep down you know it's a bit out of control. Um, Maybe it's connected with some emotional turbulence and pain as well. Um, God is bigger. God can deal with it. um, And it doesn't have to be something that always trips you up. Moving on to the third action in verse 28. It says, don't steal, instead do honest work and give generously to those in need. I guess we don't like to think of ourselves as people who might steal and actually nick other people's stuff, but actually in what areas might we hold on to what's not ours, not rightfully ours? Are we completely honest about the way that we deal with our time, doing all the hours that we're paid for at work? Taxes? It's a high call here. The fourth action is in verses 29 to 30. Using your words for good and not evil. Using words that build up others, that affirm, that impart grace and hope. Our words are incredibly powerful. They can cut someone down or they can encourage and build up. And we've all been on both sides of this. Fifth action Chapter 4, 31 till chapter 5, verse 2. It says, put off bitterness, wrath, which is rage, anger, clamor, which is basically yelling at each other, slander, lying about each other, and malice. And instead, be kind, tender-hearted and loving, as God in Christ forgave you. And that's our motivation for all of this, that God in Christ has forgiven us so much. Finally, sixth, chapter five. Uh, the sixth action is um, verses four to five in chapter five. Put away impurity and instead be thankful. So I've gone quite quickly through those actions, but you can um, read them again later and reflect on them. 
And there are six practical applications of putting off the old self and putting on the new self. And these all help to make our relationship stronger. I'm sure that we can all spot things in that list that we can put off and put on. I know that I can. But you and I both know that we can't do any of this by ourselves. Our good intentions only get us so far. We totally need the grace and the help of the Holy Spirit in us for any real and lasting change to happen. Back to Ephesians chapter 2. We 100% depend on God's grace. And I thank you, Sue, for just reminding us of that this morning. And part of this change is about our actions, yes, turning to Jesus, turning away from old ways. But the other part is completely God. There are things that only he can do in us and um, in giving us a new heart, giving us the strength to resist temptation and to live a different way. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in us. It's not our strength. So that first point was about putting off the old and putting on the new. The next point is about um, imitating the God of love. Chapter 5 starts with um, lifting our eyes to Jesus, who this is all about. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. These verses point us to Jesus' example to, of us of sacrificial and costly love. He gave up his life for us and we're called to give ourselves up to love in the same way. Imitating God. Well, there's lots of his attributes that are unique only to him. But there's also lots of qualities that we can copy and which he can um, help us to grow in. Who do you imitate? Um, we can imitate friends or family or parents in unwitting ways. Uh, one of the ways that I imitate my mum is by completely over-catering any time um, I have people around. Um, I totally overestimate how much food might be needed. And all of my guests, I'm kind of standing in the doorway saying, oh, take this, take this. You can't go unless you take something. Um, so I know that's one way that I have copied my mum. Who do you seek to imitate? Who do you look up to? It's easy to copy the world around us. It's easy to want to fit in. But we're called to be Christ-shaped rather than culture-shaped. Be imitators of God. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. We're called to imitate Jesus. We're called to walk in love so that our actions reflect our faith. We're called to live showing God's goodness. Who do you know who looks a lot like Jesus? I'm not really talking about sandals or beards, we assume. Um, but someone who has something different about the quality of the way that they love people. Um, who's selfless, who goes the extra mile, who shows integrity and is faithful to God, even when there's pressure around them. These are people we can learn from in learning to imitate Jesus. So the first two key points were putting off the old and putting on the new. Second, imitating the God of love. And third, be filled with the Spirit. Verses 18 to 21. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father 
in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Being filled with the Spirit, it follows the theme of fullness that runs throughout the book of Ephesians. There's something about our Christian experience which is supposed to be full. I don't know if we really believe that, but there is. Chapter 1, verse 23 in Ephesians says, Christ is the fullness of God who fills all things. Chapter 3, verse 19 says, Know the love of Christ in order to be filled to the fullness of God. God isn't stingy. He wants us to fully know and fully experience who he is, to know the fullness of his love for us, to fully receive his help, his wisdom, and the strength of the Holy Spirit. There's more of God for us to know. There's more friendship and intimacy, more wonder, more breakthrough, more of his presence. Being filled with the Spirit is joyful, and singing expresses and increases our joy. These verses call us to sing with our whole hearts, all of our being, in praise to God, but also in songs to one another as well. There's something really powerful in actively declaring out and singing truth. And when we worship together like this, or just even two or three together, that's really powerful in praising God directly and singing to one another. Um, There's a relational aspect here of being filled with the Spirit. And it's not just about sort of on your own having warm and fuzzy feelings. um, But there's something powerful about what the fullness of the life and the Spirit that we can pursue together and experience together, um, which God wants for us. Um, He was here last week. Um, It wasn't amazing when Ruth um, sang out in tongues and Lois gave an interpretation of it that really encouraged us. It helped us to hear God's word for us that morning. And this morning, Bex, thank you for leading us out in that song. It helps us all just to hear um, something afresh of God's truth for us, which goes to, to our hearts. And being filled with the Spirit leads us to a heart of thankfulness. Verse 20 says, Giving thanks for everything always and for everything to God the Father. And it doesn't mean giving thanks for literally everything. Um, For example, we wouldn't give thanks for evil in the world, but we do give thanks for everything that's consistent with a loving God. There's a huge emphasis on being thankful in the New Testament. Um, Why do you think that is? I think it's because so much of sin is rooted in ungratefulness to who God is and what he's done for us. I like noting down sometimes in a journal things I'm thankful for. Blessings, big and small throughout the day. Answers to prayer. Answers to prayer before I even think of them. God's kindnesses. How he's rescued me. He's covered my back. Protected me. I want a heart that notices what God is doing. I want to be tuned in to see where he's at work. I don't want to be so full of myself that I miss what God's actually doing. Um, Hannah um, showed me a book a while ago, actually, I think it's called 1,000 Gifts, does that sound about right? Um, it's a book, uh, it's a testimony of thankfulness and how that really changed um, one woman's um, perspective um, and journey with God. I recommend it if you'd like to think about this more. Being filled with the Spirit, um, that long chunk, um, 
that finishes in verse 21 is actually one sentence and it ends with submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Um, I'm going to leave that for today. Steve's going to talk all about it next week because it flows into the next passage. Um, So to summarise the three points from today. First, put off the old and put on the new. Second, imitate the God of love. Third, be filled with the Spirit. So how do these fit together? What's the overarching message of this passage? Well, back to living in the light. Ephesians chapters 1 to 3 tell us how much our spiritual DNA has changed. Tells us who we are, God's beloved children. Our eternal destiny has changed, and we can be sure of that. We've been brought into the most amazing relationship with our loving Father God. But we also need to actively cultivate a Christ-like life. And it's not something we just drift into. We aren't passive while God does his work in us. We need to purposefully put away actions incompatible with our new identity, our new life in Christ. We need to be humble enough and willing enough to tackle the lifestyle issues and the heart issues. And we need to learn that when truth is our friend, the growth deepens. The more truth, the more change. There's an inner transformation, a deep change from the inside out that God is after in each of us. Do you believe change like that could really happen for you, in your life, in your heart? Today, I believe that God really wants to impart fresh faith and hope that the change really can go that deep into the hidden parts of our souls. If only we would let him in. I believe he really wants us to know that his grace is sufficient, that he will walk with us in light and see us through to the other side of whatever current struggle that we're in. He's absolutely committed to us, to developing Christ-likeness in us. And nothing's a secret from him. There's no point trying to hide things from him. He knows it and he loves us dearly. But as his dearly beloved children, he wants us to look like him and reflect his goodness more and more. So finally, a few questions to consider. So the first relates to putting off the old and putting on the new. What part of your lifestyle needs to change to better live out who you already are as God's beloved child? What do you need to put off or put on? Has the Holy Spirit been shining his spotlight of truth on something this morning? Trust that he's good. He'll help you to take the next step. Bring it to Jesus. Secondly, what would it look like to imitate Jesus in a key relationship or situation in your life? Maybe God's inviting you to just totally make someone's day. Um, A bit like how Bex was saying earlier, just actually when God's light shines in us, there's an amazing impact. We can be an amazing blessing in a countercultural way and show his goodness. Third, do you want a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit? More importantly, do you need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit? I know I do, every day. We can't live for God without the help of the Holy Spirit. We need him so much. And we need to be full. Um, If we get full with food, we feel uncomfortably full. 
This happened to me last night. I had to lie down on the floor after dinner. Um, I was so uncomfortably full. But um, it's not like that with the Holy Spirit. The fuller, the better. Um, being overflowing is great. There's more joy, more peace, more of God. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, more is more, is more. So I'll leave us with those questions to reflect on.